Hey everyone, welcome to the fifth episode of The Illustrious Gentleman. Um, today's episode we start off talking about uh, Scott's um, face first descent into a heart attack and uh, we follow that with our Mount Rushmore of comic creators, our top four guys who we think um, influenced uh, most of our peers, influenced us personally, and uh, guys whose work we just uh, love flat out. So uh, thanks for giving us a listen and uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks, bye. <laughs> All right, so how are your uh, your uh, pizza rolls? I don't know. They look. I mean, aesthetically, I'm not satisfied with them. Not crispy enough. I'm gonna let them. I'm gonna let them cool down a little bit. Maybe they'll uh, they'll lose a bit of moisture and harden up a little bit. Only one of them split. I mean, you don't want all of them splitting. But right. The well, you know the the baked cheese is. One of the the nicer things, I guess. Right, you want you want it to be you want it to be something special when you when you bite into one that's split. Yeah, and it's like when you use the spatula and you scrape all of the baked cheese off of the pan, it's all crispy, and there's pieces of you know cube cut pepperoni in there that's just amazing. All right, well, this episode we'll call the heart attack episode then. Oh, are you eating anything? No, I well, I just had breakfast. I just had uh, I just had my omelet about a your spinach omelet. Yeah, a couple hours ago. So, so I'm trying to avoid the heart attack. Sounds like you're you're driving straight forward as fast as you can. I'm I'm jumping in with both feet. Yeah, you're like in sixth gear, and you're just heading right towards that heart attack. <sighs> all right, I'm almost already done with my first uh, half of my beer. Um, all right, so today uh, you're. Uh, you're jumping into the beer, the the beer arena. You got so you got an IPA there. Well, sort of an IPA. Uh, it's a white IPA. Is that not not all the way an IPA? Uh, I think it's. Um, uh, I think they're more. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess they're more. Uh, they're they're lower content, so they're more for like, uh, you know, drinking a, a couple at a time. Uh, like mm-hmm. an, it's like an introduction IPA, I guess. It is very light. Yes, I will say that. Um, so, what do you think of it? It's tasty, though. Yeah, how'd you get it for five yeah. bucks? Was it on sale, or was it? I, on... It was at it was at Walmart. It was five dollars. It was the only thing there that was. Wow, that's cheap. That was a uh, price to sell. Yeah. The bottles are all dusty. I, I, I'm, I. It might be my eyeballs, but I'm pretty sure the neck of this bottle is not even straight. Well, it could be. Uh... If they have a born-on date, it could be that they're approaching their born-on date, I guess. Or, uh, you know, late. Their, their born-on date could have been last year or something like that. Yeah. I don't, think, I don't know if Walmart is that, if they, if they care that fucking much about their beer selection, so probably not. Oh, Best Buy 923. Of this year? Yeah, so there's a Best Buy date. Oh, okay. So, yeah, they're probably looking at that like, oh, we're like two months away. Yeah, but either I way, don't know what IBUs mean either. Yeah, IBU is how uh, bitter it tastes. So your IBUs are probably kind of low, like in the 40s or 50s. 55. Yeah, see, the one I got is low too. It's like 62. The proof of my IPA today is 7.2, so it's a little stronger than yours. 
Um, oh yeah, I've got a five six. Yeah. So IBUs, the higher you get, the more bitter it is. Does the scale top out? At yeah, 100? I don't. I don't know if it tops. No, no, no. I've had I've had beers with higher than a hundred IBU. Um, normally, the higher the IBU, the stronger the beer is. Okay, so it's not a scale; it's just a measurement. Right, and so like what I try to do is I try to find really strong beers with less than a hundred IBU. So I'm doing a Sierra Nevada Torpedo, which was also oh. on, which was also on sale. It's a bomber, and it was like four dollars. Um, wow! I almost bought a six pack of that instead of this. Oh really? Yeah, I like this. Yeah. It's, it's good. I have the um, so I always type in whatever IPAs I've had. If I haven't before, I type them in my browser, and then the Beer Advocate website comes up, and that kind of tells you the IBUs and the uh, how strong it is, and then how it's rated. So it's kind of funny. So the first rating is kind of like beer experts. I don't know what, you know, whatever makes maybe brewers, other brewers or whatever. So this has a, this has a rating from them of like 92. Um, but then there's like a bro score, which like if I just put in a review, I would be put in the bro category. So the bro score of this IPA is 99. And I think that tops out at a hundred. So it's, it's a really good IPA, uh, but I wanted to read the first review here because it's so fucking pretentious and ridiculous, which is my whole problem with like wine drinkers, beer, you know, beer drinkers, microbrew, that kind of shit. Uh, but let's let, we're going to read it. This was the first one. So this will change. You know, it, it's all based on when it's chronological. So this might not be the first review in a couple of days. But as of this morning, it was the first review. All right. Smell took a sniff from the bottle and knew I was in for a treat. Great floral, piney, and fruity aromas. Colon. Cantaloupe, pear, red apple, and a little peach come to mind. A little of a honey character, too. Absolutely amazing. Taste. Piney and fruity as the smell with a strong malty backbone that makes it a solid beer. The hoppiness is really balanced, not aggressive nor astringent. Mouthfeel. Light to medium bodied, but you feel the hoppiness in the mouth for a long time. Not astringent, but finishes dry. All right, so that's just some fucking dude who thinks he's a writer. We, you know, we deal with it all the time in our profession. So that that's the first bro review. Yeah, that's why I think you only get the bro reviews. I think I don't know. That's the first review up there. It could be could be a brewer's review the way it's. That's a. I, I would imagine that's a pretty fair example of what you'll find. Right, and it's it's weird because, like, I drink a beer, and I grew up on shitty beer, and I still drink shitty beer from time to time. Well, not shitty beer, but, you know, uh, you know, like PBR, like commonly found affordable beer. I drink that stuff all the time. Um, but, I mean, I'd, I drink this. This is, a good I, this is a good IPA, but I guess I don't have the palate to really, is it better than the Stone IPA I like? Is it better than another IPA I like? It just tastes good, and it's not. It doesn't taste too hoppy for me, and I can drink it. But I don't taste cantaloupe, a little peach, or red, whatever the red apple. I like how he clarified that. It's not a green apple taste. You're not tasting a Granny Smith. You're tasting a red apple. But is it a gala? Is it a gala red apple? What I want to know is it a Fuji red apple? What kind of red apple is this guy tasting? Yeah. Well, you've got the uh, that unsophisticated bum palate. Yeah. I don't know. So I, I like, so I, I do like IPAs, but I don't like floral IPAs. This guy says this is a floral IPA. And I don't know. I like it. I don't like sour. And you don't agree? Uh, I agree that it's probably a, a 99 as far as I could drink this anytime. If I see it on tap and I don't, 
and another IPA. I don't know any better is on tap. I'm drinking this. If this is on sale at the store, I'm drinking this. This is a good It's a good IPA. I would like to get into smaller breweries that I can find nationwide. Sierra Nevada is a big brewery. Everyone kind of knows Sierra Nevada. Um, But for buying this at the grocery store yesterday for four bucks for a 24 ounce bottle, it's very good. I'm very happy with it. And so you like your beer too? Because I read the one on your Yeah, it's decent. I mean, it's this the Shoots Chainbreaker White IPA is what I'm drinking here. Right. What I what yeah. I what I know about that was it's supposed to be a little fruity. They call it a saison, which is like a fruit beer. Uh do do, do you feel like it's a little fruity for you? Well, hold on here. Okay. So on the nose, <laughs> there's a there's a distinct floral note. Maybe a uh, a melon, maybe. Mm-hmm. It's it's pleasant. So let's go. Uh, let's test the palate. So that floral note comes through on the palate. All right. Um, I don't get any of the melon I smelled. Um, now for a five dollar beer, it's very smooth. All right. Uh, Mouthfeel. Um. Uh, it tastes like fucking beer. All right. Uh, so, on a scale of one to a hundred, how would oh, you boy. how would you score it? Keeping in mind that everything is skewed a little high. Like I've never seen a fifty. You know, even like a even like a natty light is like a is like in the sixties. Yeah, I, I'm not sure where the benchmarks are. I mean. If it's something I would have again, is that like an 85? Well, okay, so I'll tell you. Uh, yeah, so the BA score, which is like the – oh, it's the website score. Beer Advocates, the website. Their score is 85. Uh, the Bros scored at an 84. Okay. With an average of 3.75 stars out of 5 stars. Does that sound about right to you? Okay, that's that sounds – that, that's easier to figure out. I, I guess I could do the math. But. Okay, so yeah, they, the bros give it a 3.75. Okay. A 7.5? 3.75 out of 5. Okay, 3.75. Yeah. So 2.5 being average. Right. I would put maybe 3.5 being you would pay money for it again. Yeah, you go back and to maybe, anything. And maybe like 4.5 you would recommend it to other people. Yeah, I would say like Four, you would seek it out. Four, five, you would recommend it. Five, you would preach it. Like three, five, and I, I'm also going to. I it's something I can't not do. I'm going to factor the price into this, and that it was five dollars for a six pack of bottles for this. Right. I would buy it again if it were indeed five dollars again. Yeah, I agree with that. I think price has a lot to do with it. You find something on sale. I mean, you can't even get you can't even get the Rolling Rock nowadays for five bucks a six pack. Not in the not in Arizona. Um, so I'm gonna so let me read the first uh, user review for uh, the Chainbreaker. Oh yeah, let's hear it. It's a, it's a little less. Well, the second one actually has a, is very uh, very uh, in depth and, and hoity toity. But I'll just read the first one. Please read the most outrageous. Well, they're not necessarily outrageous, but I'll I'll do. Uh, let's see. I'll just do the first one because that keeps to the theme. All right. 
tastes like a hoppy saison. And this is my personal note. I hate saisons. They taste like uh, potpourri. All right. Poured cloudy yellow into a snifter. What kind of? What are you drinking yours out of? He's putting beer in a snifter. All right. You're drinking yours out of the bottle like a man? Uh, that's right. All right. Poured cloudy yellow into a snifter with a thick white head and beautiful lacing. Lemon, lemon smell and taste, citrusy and floral, a hint of bitterness so you know it aspires to be an IPA, refreshing and good. Do you agree to the citrusy and done? floral? Yeah, do Please you, stop. Do you agree to citrusy and floral? Um, I agree to floral. I don't agree that this beer is aspiring to be anything because it's a fucking beer and that's a ridiculous statement. Yeah. All right, well, I, we might, that might be the name of our studio when we're old is going to be citrusy and floral. And then we can decide who's who. That's right. It's our comedy team. Well, with your, with your orange hair, you have to be citrus, right? Uh, I I suppose I'm not a citrusy guy though. Um, but I don't know. I've I've enjoyed beers that other people are like, oh, those taste just like grapefruit, and I hate grapefruit. So I guess I'm not. I don't have the palate for this shit. I just know I drink a beer and I know whether I'll drink it again, and then I know whether I'll seek it out again. And I know what I'll pay for it. So there's certain beers that I'll pay seven bucks on tap for that I won't, you know, that, and then there's other beers I like that I won't pay more than five bucks on tap for. Um, but either way, I like the Torpedo IPA. It's a, it's regularly available. It's affordable and it's decent. Um, all right. So today we're going to get into our, uh, the Mount Rushmore, although the more I think about that, I don't know if I love that title because literally Mount Rushmore is set in stone. And when you're, when you're talking about opinions, Jesus Christ, are you fighting yourself? I'm moving my mic so I can eat my beats rolls. Um, so I don't know if I, li- if I like to equate, you know, our, our top guys as set in stone because uh, hopefully, well, you're not going to live that much longer because of your part your party roles there God, i um, hope not but i i hope to live i've had it in my mind for a long time that i'm gonna live to be 100 it's just it's genetic it's gonna happen so i hope that there's other guys coming up that may someday enter my top four guys of all time or whatever so uh so i don't know if i like the term mount rushmore uh we're gonna talk about our, our top guys and i got I, for me personally i got my top four kind of all time and then i got my new four Okay, that was a clarification that I wanted to make. Yes. Are we going to have two separate lists? Yeah, and then I also have a, an honorable mention, but we don't have to get into that. Um, I also have honorable mentions. Okay, so... Uh, but but I think... Okay, well, I don't have, like, a today list and an all-time list. Okay, well, I mean, just... I mean, I mean the, the, none of it's set in stone. The, the numbers, the, num- the quantity is not set in stone. Just guys that we love and why we love them. No, we're doing no, no, no. All right. This is Mount Rushmore. All right. Well, I got my four. We're I got doing four. I got it four, and then I got my new four. Okay. So I guess you could put my new four in honorable. Well, mentions. why don't you go first so I can figure out my all right today four. So I'm gonna talk while time. you don't pay attention, and you're gonna figure out your new four. Um, it's just like just every yeah, just like normal. Right. Okay. So. uh uh, number one, I have Alex Toth, and uh, so there's reasons why I have certain guys on here. And just because, you know, it doesn't mean I own a bunch of comics by these guys. It doesn't mean that I'm a, I've am studied their careers. Uh, a lot of the, my top four 
uh, inspired a lot of my current favorite guys. So that's where I base my, my guys off of, um, if that makes sense. So basically in music terms, if someone's a Nirvana fan and they adore Nirvana, they should, they should put the Pixies above Nirvana on their all time favorite bands because the Pixies spawn Nirvana. So that's where I'm go with this. So I have Alex Toth, basically the economy of line. He inspired so many guys I love now. Um, one of which is on my new four list. But uh, he also, besides his work on in the comics, he worked on so many cartoons that I grew up watching. Space Ghost, Johnny Quest, Super Friends. Uh, he did some work on Bionic 6, my favorite cartoon of all time. And he was just a quintessential storyteller. So he wasn't about like big splash pages and uh, any sort of flash. He was about telling a story in the most economical, draftsman-like way to do it. Um, so I have that's why I have Alex, Alex Toth on there. Um, Kirby I have on there just based off the excitement, his creativity, uh, the power of his pages, the splash pages, the action, uh, and also his work ethic. The guy did however many books every year. I mean, he put, he out, he did more output than any comic artist for since I think, or before or since. And, uh, he inspired, you know, he inspired so many guys. Like, I don't think the image comics, those dudes wouldn't have been who they were if it wasn't for Kirby. You wouldn't have had big, loud, in-your-face, exciting artists like Jim Lee or Rob Liefeld if it wasn't for Kirby. So I, I think he he made superhero comics. So there were com- there might be comics without Kirby, but I think he made superhero comics, which is what I grew up on, which is what I love is superhero stuff. Um, Mike Mignola, I think is obvious. Uh, he inspired so many guys I love now and he's, uh, his sense of design, page design, character design, uh, mood, uh, it's just amazing. I think any, anyone I know, most guys I know, they would have Mignola on there. Um, he created who I think is the greatest, I think Hellboy is the greatest character created since maybe the Fantastic Four or since the, the original X-Men. Um, there's not a character with more lasting power and, uh, iconic visuals to me than Hellboy. So, uh, he's got to be on there. So those are my, my top, oh, okay, sorry. And then, uh, Stuart, uh, Eamonen. But I think his work from next wave on, I think his work of the last 10 years is hands down the best decade of comics, uh, you know, superhero comics, action comics, um, done. I mean, next wave was amazing. Uh, his all new X-Men reboot was great. And then he can also do quiet stuff. The book that uh, him and his wife put together and released, uh, Russian Olive to Red King, was my favorite comic of 2015. I thought it was amazing. So he's he took over my number four spot just based off of uh, sort of draftsmanship. And um, he can do it all. He can do big, he can do big splash page action and he can do amazing uh, sort of quiet scenes. Um, so those are my top four. Toth, Kirby, uh, Eminent, and uh, Mignola. And then I have my next four, um, but I can I can do that after you do your top four. Or what do you have to say about my top four? <clears throat> so Toth, Kirby, Mignola, and Eminem? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I will confess that I don't know um, a whole lot of Toth's work. Um, right. What I've seen, I like. Uh, I have no doubt he is influenced uh, you know, at least a couple generations of artists and probably most of the guys I also look up to, um, but he didn't make my list. 
Um, I'm going to put Kirby in the same light, although I am much more familiar with Jack Kirby. I would say that your argument that Jim Lee and did you also say Mark Silvestri? No, I said Liefeld. I think Silvestri is more of a draftsmanship, uh, like a draftsman type artist, I guess, like an illustrative type artist. Um, I, I would argue that Jim Lee is more of a, um, I think you can link him back to John Byrne more than you could Jack Kirby. Um, I mean, but obviously Kirby's great. He doesn't need me to defend him. Mignola, um, as we're going to see, is also on my list, and he's on everybody's list because he's awesome. And Stuart Eminen. Um, I, I love Stuart. His work's fantastic. You said, especially in like the last 10 years, I remember him being one of the Superman guys. On, uh, I think he, I'm pretty sure it was Adventures of Superman. Yeah, see, I was, I'm into him post that. I thought his work prior to that was, I don't know, the word I want to use is soft. His figures weren't as angular it, yes. or as defined. Yeah, that, yeah. that that's fair. Right. Yeah, it is very different. But yeah, so yeah, that's an interesting list. But uh, yeah, right on. Good. All right, well, who do you, who do you got there? So my, I'm trying to figure out my all-time top four. And I think there's... I, I don't know about you. Is there some overlap in your current top four with your all-time? Uh, yeah, Mignola and Eminem, obviously. Kirby, okay. and, Kirby and Toth are dead. So That's what I figured. Right. Um, Although I will say, okay. I will say Mignola, um, late 90s, early 2000, Mignola for me was must-buy. Uh, current Mignola is still amazing, but I feel is... I guess when I read a comic, I want excitement, right? I want... I guess I want action. I want excitement. And his newer stuff is a little sort of slower, if, if, if that's the right word to use. Uh, more moody, more illustrative, more more designy than, than even previous. Um, so I will say uh, current Mignola is something I will pick up in collections instead of monthly issues. Whereas, uh, you know, Seed of Destruction era Mignola, I would buy the Wednesday it came out. So he's still an all time great. Um, but just personally, I prefer his older stuff. I guess I prefer his older stuff to fill my immediate needs. And then I like to, I want his current stuff to fulfill my sort of, you know, career progression, uh, designy, um, classical needs, I guess. Does any of did that make sense at all? Cause I think, I think you're, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're a, you're a, you're a Fifteen year ago, Mignola guy too, right? Like his peak. I guess his peak to me was um, then. Yes, um, it's all obviously personal preference, but yeah, like um, right around. <sighs> yeah, what was the the second volume? I I can see it from here, but I can't read it. Was it Right Hand of Doom or Right Hand of Doom? Yeah, I think right around there right so you got the wolves of saint august right hand of doom uh oh, that, that, the corp the corpse sorry. in the iron was it corpse in the iron shoes is that the collection yeah yeah right the corpse might be my my favorite 22 pages ever committed to i love it is that the one uh wait no i like the i like the other one i like the iron shoe i like the baby the one where he goes with the baby and fights the monster but it's the same that's, co- that's it's good the, it's the same collection yeah yeah 
All right, so so you already said Mignola's your top four no matter what, right? He makes the cut. He makes the cut currently, or is he on the cut list? No, he's on the list. All right, so we both love we both love Mignola. Um, I still yes. got I still you still got to track down a copy of X Force number seven or eight, whichever one that is. Yeah, I'll seek that out. All right, it's just so in my brain. It's just the notion is so preposterous. No, it's great. And then um, there was an issue of Marvel Team Up that uh, Robert Kirkman did with Corey Walker that takes place kind of in that same timeline of the X Men with Cable, Jubilee, and Wolverine fighting. Um, it's either Hydra or the Hand. I'm not sure. And uh, it's great because at that point Corey was really channel- channeling his Mignola. Uh, so there's an issue of Marvel Team Up that kind of fits that. It's kind of like a secondary issue to that X Force number seven, which is great. Um, if you could track that down too, so just do it. All right. All right. So who's next on your list then? Your your for sure list. All right. So this is my all time. Right. We're doing all time. Right. Yep. So all time top four, in no particular order. Just dudes who faces are on my mountain. Uh, Jim Lee. All right. Uh, like I said, just whatever, 20 minutes ago, I didn't really start paying attention to comics until X-Men number one. Um, and I only bought X-Men number one because of uh, X-Men series one, the trading cards, where Jim Lee did all, all of the artwork. Right. Um, yeah, so it, it, it was... I mean, I had been interested in drawing forever but i hadn't seen any sort of artwork that really made me stop and look and made me think that that was something that i wanted to do too until that card set and then moving on right no i agree i agree and then uh just to jump in a second i would put jim lee as my favorite artist of all time he's not in my top four just for whatever reason. I mean, I haven't bought a Jim Lee comic in a decade. Um, but in those years where I was getting into comics, he'll, he'll always be my number one guy, him and Silvestri. So, I mean, I think they, I think they could be my favorite artists and not be in my top four. Yeah. It, it, this is my, my all time is going to be based on impact on you personally, me. Okay. Right? Yeah, see, I guess I should have thought about it that way. I thought more about impact on the uh, the what we see in comics overall. That's where I base my top four on. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, other than Stuart uh, Emanen, who is a current fave. Um, yeah, so I guess we had different kind of criteria. Yeah, different th- kind of criteria, but yeah, Jim Lee. Jim the Lee, Mount Rushmore on my mountain on Scott. Island. Right, right. So, okay, so yeah. So I, I would also say Jim Lee is probably my favorite artist of all time. Um, for all the reasons you said, he's just, I mean, action, draftsmanship, everything. Well, Jim Lee and Scott Williams put it that way. The, the combo of those two. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. All right. Oh, and I should add, uh, Wade Von Grawbadger for the, uh, Stuart Eamon um, yeah. cause he's a zinker and he's a zinker on all the stuff I love. So, okay. All right. So Jim Lee and then who else? Uh, I'm also Mike Mignola. Um, well, yeah, okay, it's fair to go to him right now. I, I thought about mentioning him last, but so in the era of Rob Liefeld and Jim Lee and, you know, Todd McFarlane, 
to have this completely unique and diverse artistic voice that was Mike Mignola. That was every bit as as good as what those guys were doing, but just so much different. I don't know how that can't make an impact on you. Right, I agree. He he's one of those guys. He's he might be the only guy in the early '90s that I f- loved who was not of that image style. You know, like I read all Image comics. I read all the spinoffs. I read fucking Brigade. I read, you know, Stormwatch. I read all that stuff, and I loved it all. And Mignola was the only guy who didn't fit into that mold, who I loved as much as all those guys. Yeah, to to be able to to stand with those guys without really employing the same tools is miraculous. Maybe just totally commendable. Yeah, I've never really thought about. Yeah, it. I've never it, really thought about it that it, way. But it, yeah, I w- I would imagine he is maybe even more than Jack Kirby today. If you went around and pulled everybody, he might be the one guy that shows up on more lists than anybody else. Yeah, I would That's be my guess. Yeah. Uh, anyone that I, any other pro that I respect, I would be shocked if he's not in their top five. I've, Agreed. I've I've never met anybody who, like, you can meet guys like Kirby, and, you know, some younger guys. Although I think younger guys now are hip to Kirby. Um, but you know, if I if I was talking to a pro, I really respected and stuff. I work work I really respected, and they named their top five, and they didn't have Kirby in there. You know, I could almost sort of. I could almost shrug it off and be like, all right, well, they're a certain age or whatever. But if they didn't have Mignola in there, I'd be like, oh, f- you're fucking crazy. I mean, it well, is- I'm not I'm not going to have Kirby in mind. Right. But the OK. Yeah, yeah, I can see that is what I'm saying. Um, the Mignola thing, though, like I've seen a lot of reviews I get on my work com- say like, oh, uh, influenced by Mignola and blah, blah, blah. And. I'm not consciously influenced by Mignola, but I'm consciously influenced by guys who are influenced by Mignola. Um, so I think his that's where his reach his reach is kind of uh huge for someone who is, you know, still has hopefully thirty years, forty years of work ahead of him. All right. So yeah, everybody right. lo- everybody loves Mignola. Yes. And they should. That's the consensus. Yes. Alright. So number three, um, it's about to get you're going to start to see yeah it's about to get fun where i'm coming from here um because art adams yes. was also responsible for one of my favorite card sets of all time which was marvel series 2 of course um yeah but uh, i he's sort of in the same boat as mignola and i know those guys were boys growing up where Jim Lee and Mark Silvestri and Rob Liefeld were really just like, they were the dude bros of comics. They were, they were tough and their shit punched you in the face. You know, art had really just this really bubbly and light and bouncy line. And it was just really fun to look at. Um, it, it was just so different from what everybody else was doing, I guess a lot like Mike. Um, But yeah, those those cards, that card set was fantastic, and you know he didn't do a whole lot. I didn't read Longshot. Um, I have the three. I think like everybody else, the, the new Fantastic Four. Oh yeah, those run those three issues right with uh, Ghost Rider and Wolverine and Spider Man and Hulk. Oh, yep, and um, 
and then Monkey Man and O'Brien. I I'm a sucker for like 1950s sci-fi B movie shit. Even though a lot of those original films are really unwatchable, I like the idea of it. So I like I like when stuff is done in that vein and in that spirit, but with with sort of contemporary storytelling techniques. Um, and that series was it did exactly that. It, it, it hit the perfect note for me. Um, so, er, yeah, ever since then, he's just been, yeah, he's been the guy. Yeah, no, that, uh, that. right. He's on my honorable mention list. Uh, he's also on, uh, our buddy JD's top four. Um, and for all those reasons you just mentioned, uh, his fantastic four, when I did a cover for the hero initiative, we did a fantastic four hero initiative sketch cover charity thing. Um, I did, I did that fantastic four. I did Ghost Rider, Hulk, Spider-Man, and Wolverine. Um, of course, because the, the real Fantastic Four are just boring as fuck. I, I kind of agree. I've never been a Fantastic Four fan. Uh, but also, Art Adams did a series of X-Men and Uncanny, and I think maybe even New Mutants annuals in the early 90s, where he wasn't on the main book, obviously, but he did the annuals for it. And they are great. They involved like Mojo and Spiral. Um, yeah. Art Adams doesn't have the output a lot of guys do, um, but he is amazing. And he did kind of a lot of guys. Uh, he talks about the bridge between manga and American comics, and he was the guy that did it. I never really cared much for for manga, uh, but yeah, Art Adams is great. He's fantastic. So no argument there of him on your top four. I totally agree. Um, so number four also comes from the trading card world. Um, and this is going to be radically different from the other three guys. My fourth guy is Joe Jesco. Uh, I, I didn't know where you were going to go there, but I didn't think it was going to be Jesco. Yeah. Um, that the 1992 Marvel masterpieces, um, each one of those cards is still burned in my brain. That was, it's like when Alex Ross came along with Marvels and kingdom come, <clears throat> um, you know, Jesco was the guy doing that first. You know, he was he was he was the original Alex Ross, and I prefer Jesco's stuff a little bit more, uh, a lot more, actually, to sort of see all of those characters um, be presented as something more real than you get with Lee or Adams, or certainly. Mignola was uh, it made an impression on uh, on eleven year old me that that still hangs around. And then I got to meet him a few years ago at Phoenix Comic Con. He stopped by my table and said he liked my stuff. So that made my show. Right. So that was uh, completely unsolicited. He just was walking by. And yeah, saw we were stuff. on a panel together. Oh, okay. What for pan- whatever what pan- reason, and yeah. we were walking back to the floor, and we just walked by my table on the way back, and he took a look at some stuff and said he dug it. It's a weird panel. What panel was that? Do you remember? I don't even remember. I think it was, it was like from script to page, something like that. I'm not sure how we ended up being in the same place. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense, but I'm glad it happened. He was a nice dude. Hulk, just a mountain of a man too. Oh, really? I've never, I don't know if I've ever seen a photo of him. He's huge. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, 
that, that would be the one guy that I don't think many people would have in their top four. Um, maybe I'm wrong. I'm usually wrong. Uh, but to me, I don't love painted comic work. I don't love, I mean, if I want to look at a painting, I'll go to a museum and I appreciate, I appreciate the art of painting. Um, I appreciate artists and illustrators who paint. Uh, but for me, comics are, are a four color process. I don't want, I don't want to really read a comic that's painted and I don't enjoy covers that are painted. I will say, I will say that I would read a book in that style, but, um, I mean, he's a big John Buscema guy and to see like the way he works, like I, I appreciate it even more now because I mean, we're friends on Facebook, so I see his process stuff and you see his pencils and him working out perspective and everything. And it looks, you know, just like a comics panel, except there's another dimension on top of that at the end. Yeah, I guess I just don't, I mean, even Alex Ross stuff like kingdom come, I love, but I think I might love it more. I think I would love it no matter, well, not no matter who drew it, but, uh, I love the idea of kingdom come. I love the idea of, uh, sort of legacy characters, alternative elseworld stories. Um, so I don't know if I love kingdom come because of Alex Ross, but yeah, in general, I don't love painted, I guess I don't love painted artwork. Um, Sort of just takes me out of it. It becomes an illustration and not no, part, that's, not part that's of fine. Not part I mean, of you're, the story. You're free to be uncultured swine if you want yeah. to. It's not part of the story. To me, it's not part of the story. It's an illustration. It's a one-off. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I don't. I, I, I don't want to read a comic. How many comics? Okay, so that's fine. So no, no, I don't know. you're going to ask me how many comics he did. No, I'm going to ask you how many comics you read that are painted. Uh, right now? No, ever. Ever? Like, I don't know the Alex Ross books. So four. So you've read more than Kingdom Come. You read Marvels and stuff like that. Oh, Marvels, sure. All right. See, I never. Yeah, so read, those two. I never read Marvels either. Um, but yeah, Kingdom Come to me is like a top, maybe a top ten book of all time. The Kingdom Come miniseries I thought was amazing. Um, but yeah, I guess like I guess painting to me is too realistic, and I I want comics to, well, be, the, to be the opposite that, of that. That's sort of the thing with with Jusco though is he's not. He's not realism guy. He's not, you know, photorealistic. Yeah, He's right. If, if if something that John Buscema drew existed in the real world, it would look like one of Jusko's figures. All right, well, I give you that. So basically, so so with my top four, I picked uh, people who I thought were uh, influential in the industry. And with Stuart Eamonn, I think in twenty or thirty years, I think people will look at Next Wave and his first run—you know, the the first four issues of All New X Men or whatever—and I think they'll they'll put that in that category. Uh, for you, you put guys who influenced you personally, guys who s- fired that spark in you, right? Yeah, correct. I mean, I would put or I would credit Jusko and Jim Lee as the two guys are most responsible for me what I'm doing what I'm doing now. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's a good list. I mean, other than Mignola, we have no uh, no rollover. Um, so I think it's a good list. So you're, so so my list was Toth, Kirby, Eminent, and Mignola. Your list was uh, Jusko, Jim Lee, Mignola, and um, Art Adams. Yeah, I think you can't – no one can bitch about those top eight guys. They're all great. Uh, I, you know, I will reiterate, uh, cause I'm big about credit. So I will reiterate, uh, 
the Jim Lee Scott Williams pairing and the Stuart Eminen and uh, Wade Von Graubach yeah. pairing. Yeah, that's um, when when you have an inker who's so closely identified with you, um, I think you got to throw that in there. All right, so 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 my new guys, for me personally. So I base this on guys that I would I buy their work uh, kind of no matter what, but that's not completely true because I have Gabriel Ba on here, and it's because I love Umbrella Academy so much. I haven't I, I don't necessarily buy everything he does, but Umbrella Academy to me is the one of my favorite books of the last decade. I love it. Casanova, uh, when he was on the first run of Casanova, was great. Um, so I love Gabriel Ba. Uh, I have a, a an embarrassing story about him at Heroes Con this summer. <laughs> Um, I can't remember if I told that already, so I don't know if I will. And then I have Chris Somney, who, when we were talking about Alex Toth, uh, I think Chris Somney, Chris Somney and um, Evan Shaner might be the two guys who are the biggest sort of uh, lineage-wise guys from Toth. Um, and I think I think Somney's a top three guy working in the industry right now. Um, I love that on his new uh, Black Widow book, he's a co-writer. Because I mean I think he he's the engine that drives that book and he should be the engine that drives every book. Uh, he's great. And then I have uh, Corey Walker on there who, when people tell me that my work reminds them of Mignola, uh, they just don't know any better because I'm trying to rip off Corey Walker who, by all accounts, is probably trying to rip off Mignola. Um, but I love Corey's stuff. Uh, I think he's amazing. Uh, Science Dog, the Science Dog hardcover I have, is something I read. Every couple months, I look back at it. He's amazing. And then uh, Jason Latour, who's uh, kind of not... You can't really see his influences as obvious as uh, most people's. But I think he's one of the one of the best cartoonists working right now. Um, Southern Bastard is my favorite comic out right now. And I think he's doing amazing work. Um, kind of a, you know, a, a weird mix of maybe traditional digital. I'm not sure how he works, but, uh, illustration wise and storytelling wise, uh, I think Latour's great. Um, and he's, he's, he's one of these guys who I knew back in, I knew 10, 15 years ago and whose work is very different now. And he's very, he's progressing a lot. And most people might know him as a writer cause he writes Mar- one of Marvel's most popular books. But, uh, as the artist, uh, I love his stuff. So those are kind of my new four, is uh, Gabriel Ba, Chris Somney, uh, Corey Walker, and Jason Latour. So that's your current list. What are you, What are you in the mine? I can barely hear you. Oh, sorry, I had my mic away because I was finishing off these pizza rolls. Yeah, so that's my that's my kind of current guys. That okay. I'll, guys that I'll buy, uh, and I'll say like Gabriel Ba, um, you know, Day Tripper. I liked um, Two Brothers. I haven't bought. Cause the, I'm not into like autobiography, autobiographical comics. Um, I want comics to be action and sci-fi and adventure. Um, but yeah, if he does any Hellboy related stuff, Umbrella Academy stuff, creator owned stuff that's more based in sci-fi or action, I'll buy no matter what. And then uh, Somni Walker and Latour, I try to buy no matter what. So who who are your current guys that? So are are there even four current guys that you'll try to buy no matter what? Although I should say I buy Scott Godleski stuff no matter what. So uh, yeah, but all right, you shouldn't. No, it's all right. I don't mind. All right. So, um, yeah, so let's get into this. All right. Um, we're going to start with a couple of guys that I've already mentioned. Um, and 
I'm going to say Mignola again for my current. Yeah. Um, but not his current work. That his, the work of his that I like so much still has a deep and profound impact on me today. Right. So I'm still going to keep him up there on, on current guys. The strength of, of his, uh, you know, his library is, is keeping him in my top four. All right. Um, same with Art Adams, though I'm going to, not for the same reason as Mignola, but I think he's gotten even better. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so, yeah, so we're going to put him in there. I don't have to explain him again. Um, I'm going to say Sean Murphy. Obviously. Is in, I I feel like maybe five or six years ago, his influence on me was greater and I don't think there's a lot of it left in what I do. I don't see it anyhow, but for like two or three years there, I, I wanted nothing more than to draw just like that guy. Right. Your, uh, your boom stuff, uh, your boom studios work was very influenced by him. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and I think that's part of what made it so miserable for me was that it didn't look like him. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think, uh, so I throw, um, you know, when I talk about, uh, guys who are influential currently, uh, I think Murphy is the most influential guy of the last decade. Uh, so many guys ink like him. Uh, it's, it's really his inking style, I guess. I've never really seen his pencils, but a lot of guys adapt his inking style the same way that a lot of guys adapted uh, sort of Burns Anatomy or, uh, you know, taught storytelling. Um, yeah, I think that's very true. Yeah, so uh, I could see that. I can see you weaning yourself off your Murphy uh, influence. Um, but uh, I, I do think that he deserves a place in any current top four. He's another guy that if anyone ever mentioned him in their top three, I would totally like that totally makes sense because he seemed to have come out of nowhere. Um, but he really is kind of like a Toth, uh, Sergio Toppy, even a little Mark Silvestri in him. Um, but yeah, he's one of the current uh, greats and uh, he, I should have put him in my he would be in my top five. I buy almost everything he puts out. Yeah, and I want to I want to say something about that inking style, too, is that when you first when you see it and you you are not as knowledgeable of the entire process of creating comic book art and perspective and anatomy and composition it looks so easy to do right it, it's it's a deceptively difficult thing that he's doing right cuz he makes it he makes it look sloppy and easy but it's it's not it's not he he earned that by mastering everything else that goes into it. I, so I agree. yeah, he can, it, yeah, he, he can play with the aesthetic because every other piece of that is, is just so technically sound that, uh, having that sort of 
gritty, sketchy veneer is is just yeah, it's totally earned and and might be the hardest thing. All right, yeah, no, I I uh, agree with that. And then, uh, so guy number four is uh, is somebody that I mean today probably looms largest over me, and that's Kevin Nolan. Yeah, I was going to mention that uh, he's in my honorable mentions also. So we've already mentioned all three of my honorable mention guys who are uh, Nolan, Art Adams, and Jim Lee. Um, but I, I think I think Nolan's a little special because he can ink almost anyone and when i look at those pages i i immediately think of him oh yeah so yeah how many yeah i have his uh, right next to my table here i've got his modern masterpieces you know uh sort of biography book and and uh an art collection and uh yeah that's uh, that's part of one of the things they talk about he had a uh this uh, it was an assignment from DC. I don't remember what it was, but it was something with um, Robin and Superman teaming up to do whatever. And he got brought on as inker, and I don't remember who the penciler was. I just looked but, at that. Uh, when, I just looked yeah, at that when I was at your house the other day. Yeah, he, he gets the pencils, and you know, not from a place of arrogance, but from a place of knowing what the fuck he's talking about. He's like, well, these could be better, and I know I can make them better, so I'm going to make them better. So he ended up practically just redrawing the entire thing. using. He got this guy's pencils and essentially just used them as layouts. Yeah, I think that it was David Ross, uh, but uh, I, know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah but it's the same thing. I mean, yeah. with his Superman alien stuff with Dan Jurgens or the the Sword of Asriel with Joe Quesada, you know. Right, well, it didn't there, he... There's did, 10-15% of those guys on the finished page. Well, didn't, uh, didn't he ink Mignola on the Alien Salvation? Yeah, that's another great book. Yeah, that is that is a top... That's a top 10 book of all time for me. Um but yeah, I like the idea that uh, he's um, he's a finisher. So I guess uh, like Scott Williams is a finisher in that thing where I don't know how tight the pencils are. When you've had a 15-year relationship with a guy, how tight the pencils get and how much is the inker. Um, but uh, I can look at a, an, an inked Nolan page and I know the inker, not the penciler. I can tell right off the bat. Uh, and I, I love his penciled stuff too. Um but he might be one of my favorite inkers because he can transform shit into gold a lot of the time. And I think that's a, that's an amazing skill to, to have the confidence to just redraw shit and just sort of toss shit and just redo it. Uh, you did that a lot on my Phantom pages, which were good. My editor really loved the uh, issue of Phantom that you inked, um, way more than the issues that I inked myself. But, uh, I like that. Uh, I like that an inker um, used to be and can still be much more than a tracer, and should be much more than a tracer. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, and you turn. You just talked about turning shit into gold, but when you have him on guys like Mignola or Casada or Jurgens, then the result is just some of my favorite stuff ever. So. Right, because he's already st- he's already starting with something that's great. That's right. Right. No, I know. I uh, I love Kevin Nolan's stuff. So, yeah. so I, you already mentioned your honorable mentions. You had 
Yeah, they're all they're all included in your Nolan. they're all included in your stuff. Uh, yeah. Kevin Nolan, Art Adams, and Jim Lee. Okay. I guess I should put Mark Silvestri. I don't know if I don't know. I think uh, guys who were I think peers of Silvestri's. I think if you interviewed the Seven Image guys, they would all say Silvestri's the best guy. Um, and I think I don't think all seven of those Image dudes could come out of. I don't know if they could all come up today and be as popular as they were. Um, I think Silvestri could have come up at any time and been as popular as he was. Um, Jim Lee, the same. Um, but I think Mark Silvestri, I prefer Mark Silvestri's sort of draftsmanship and uh, cartooning to Jim Lee's. It's not, uh, Mark Silvestri's earlier stuff is very fluid, very animated. Um, I love it. So when we talked an episode ago or two episodes ago about my top four, I had Silvestri in there, not uh, Eminem. But, uh, I think I think out of that image seven, Silvestri and, and Lee were one and two, you know, one A, one B. Um and I don't think Silvestri gets the respect he deserves necessarily from fans as far as overall pantheon of people. Um but I think other pros would put him in that category easily. I can see that. Sure. And then another dude that I that a lot of guys currently love that I love that doesn't necessarily do a lot of sequential work, but I think should get mentioned in any conversation of current top top guys would be Eric Canetti, who I think uh, his his work's frenetic. It's it's uh, energetic. It's exciting. It's big. It's bold. Um, he just doesn't, you know. He's he has work outside of comics that pays way better than comics. So you don't see a lot of his work, but uh, I think Kennedy's another guy that in 20 years, we're going to see a lot of guys drawing like uh, Eric Kennedy. Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. I would agree with that. All right. So, so do you have anybody in your honorable mentions that I stepped over you and didn't let you talk about? Um, in my honorable mentions, no, I, I would probably put, Todd McFarlane on that list just because like Sylvestri to you his impact on me um, I bought 55 consecutive issues of Spawn yeah but some of that's like good, and most Greg of that Capullo. is Greg yeah I love I love Capullo's stuff and to this day he's the nicest pro that's ever reviewed my work was Greg Capullo I love him he's great I loved his X-Force stuff uh, yep. I loved I really loved his X-Force stuff I was a little bummed when he went to Spawn um, but I still have his first, like, dozen issues of Spawn. I might put Joe Quesada on that list, too. Between I, Yeah, I could see that. I, I had a subscription to X-Factor when I was a kid. Ash. Yeah, I loved Ash. whatever reason, it was not... <laughs> I mean, I, I probably couldn't stand to read it now, but I can look at it. All right, so do you have... Um... Do you have like a guilty pleasure guy? Like, I mean, I have Liefeld who, uh, I think if you talk to artists about sort of uh, general, not draftsmanship, but general inspiration and energy, energy and stuff like that, I think a lot of us would have Liefeld on there. I, you know, do you have a a guilty pleasure guy that maybe not everybody appreciates, or maybe, you know, maybe does something for you that you know you feel a little dirty about? Do you have one of those dudes? Uh, who you wouldn't find on anybody's list. Sure. Or, or some, someone that would be rare. Yeah. Um, you know, I was always a big fan of Bart Sears on XO. I can see that. I loved Bart Sears early stuff. Yeah. Um, um I loved his brutes and babes. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure I'm sure I learned a couple tricks through those articles that I've never sort of uh, given up. That's the only thing I can think of. That, that, that's the only sort of, if you polled 100 guys who would probably not show up on anybody's list. Well, yeah, it might be him. The first guy that ever got me really thinking about inking and line work was um, Jeff Smith. Yeah. Maybe one of the most underrated brush inkers of all time. Uh, when you talk about that style of inking, when you get away from hatching and just sort of like... Uh, right, just spotting blacks. Yeah, spotting and... blacks and line work and line weight. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, that's funny. I didn't even... I guess... I guess because he doesn't draw superhero comics, I I tend to not think about him. But Bone is one of my all-time favorite comics. Um, so I guess if we were talking about cartoonists, in the in the in you know uh, to label someone as a cartoonist or a comic artist, um, if you're going to classify that, yeah, he'd be definitely in my top. Uh, yeah, Bone's amazing. It's fantastic, and I loved I loved the way that he could go from uh, illustrating the Bone cousins to illustrating uh you know thorn or the other characters and it, it just lets you know that he could he could draw whatever the fuck he wants he could draw any comic he wanted to this was the comic he chose to draw but if he did an issue of x-men i would buy that issue of x-men because i know that he could carry the weight right yeah yeah that's a good mention uh yeah my kid was just my 18 year old just last week was he was pissed about something the internet went out or something. And this is like an hour after he woke up. So he doesn't get up till 11, 1130. So like noon lunchtime, he's complaining about something. He's bored. And, uh, you know, I tell him like, you know, what the fuck do you want me to do about it? You're an adult. I can't babysit you. Meanwhile, I'm like on Twitter or Facebook or some nonsense. I'm not doing anything important, but, uh, he's bored for like five minutes and he goes and picks up the complete bone that I have on the bookshelf. And he's, he read it for a week straight. Yeah, it's an amazing it's an amazing uh, accomplishment, I think. And I don't know if he gets the credit. He should. But he probably does. Yeah, so yeah, that's that's all I can all I can muster at the moment. All right, yeah. Well, well I'm out of beer. To to follow our our program, I recommend the uh Torpedo IPA. I think it was delicious and uh it's um if you're a guy who Drinks a quantity of beer. It's kind of a sessionable IPA. It's not too strong. Uh, you can drink a handful of them in one setting. So uh, I'll go ahead and recommend the uh, Sierra Nevada Torpedo IPA. All right. And um, I will yeah, I'll recommend the, the uh, Deschutes Chainbreaker White IPA uh, at the price point of $5. More than that, though, I, I, I can't in good conscience tell you to. Right. So, with your money. so if you find it at the store and it's eight ninety nine, you're not going to buy it. No, I, I'm sure there are other higher quality uh, brews at that price point. Perfect. All right, buddy. Um, all right. So uh, everyone knows at this point you're working on the Lost Boys for Vertigo DC Comics. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's exciting. Um, I'm working on uh, stuff uh, many people may never see. We'll cover that as we get closer to it. So you can follow us on uh, Twitter at at TIG underscore show. Uh, my Twitter is uh, at, I guess I don't even know. It's at Ryan Cody. 
all one word, I'm sure. And uh, Scott, what's your what's your info there? Uh, yeah, uh, at Scotty God on Twitter and Instagram. No, yeah, Instagram, but I don't put anything on there. Tumblr. Then you can find my uh, a fan page at Facebook if you really want to. Though I don't put anything there either. Yeah, you are the uh, you are the invisible man of uh, personal promotion. Yes. All right. All right, buddy. Well, it was good talking to you. Um, and uh, we'll do it again in a couple weeks. Yeah. All right, All man. right man. Take care. Bye, Bye folks. All right, bye.